This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. To episode 401 of the Yellow Pods. I'm your host, Chef Motzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 3-1 win in Wolfsburg that keeps the title race narrative alive for Saturday's big clash against, for now, league leaders Bayern Munich. For all that and more, joins me Lars Poyman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm coming from a non-COVID-related uh, sickness over the last few days, so I apologize in advance. Should my sound feed uh, sound a bit stuffy, I guess, but other than that, I'm good. That's good to hear that you are on the mend. Also here with me, and uh, as discussed in pre in the, in the pre parts <laughs> we we compared how tired we all are. Uh, Matthias Uk, hello. Hey, Stefan, how are you? Uh, apparently, I'm doing still better than you since you have a leak in the bathroom, <laughs> the dog with diarrhea, uh, and you went to oh the yeah. dentist today. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great, great day. But the good thing is, it's uh, the 1st of December, so I was able to open up the first door to my beer advent calendar. And believe it or not, the beer of the day is Grantla Helles, translated <laughs> into grumpy German beer. So it fits. Life is trolling me at this point. <laughs> no Dortmund Lager for you then, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, that, that's something else. What was in your advent calendar door, if you have one? Um, for the first time in my life, at least that I can remember, I don't have an advent calendar, so I can't partake in this thrilling discussion of yours. Well, uh, that's uh, sad to hear. Uh, I personally don't have one, but I made one for my wife and uh, she got a nice little uh, plate to put all the sweets on that she <laughs> later received. Um, so, yeah, th there we go. Uh, with that of <laughs> the way, I think we can start uh, with the footy talk. And of course, we will start uh, with Dortmund's game in Wolfsburg. And obviously, uh, yeah. That didn't start off so well as uh, Riedle Baku ripped through Dortmund's left side like uh, Crash Bandicoot through a box of Wumperfruit. And uh, yeah, then he crossed it over to Wout Weghorst who chested it into the net and uh, it was one nothing after like one or two minutes. I think it was Wolfsburg's very first attack. But then Matthias Dortmund miraculously recovered and did not concede afterwards so basically a clean sheet for Dortmund if you subtract the first two minutes <laughs> uh, so yeah what do you make out of uh, the reaction that Dortmund showed uh, with Mahmoud Ahud back in the starting 11 Emre Can in midfield Witzel on the bench etc you name it well um, I think it kind of coincides with the general theme we've talked about um, in terms of just the change in Dortmund's attitude. I feel if we go back 12 months ago, that early goal from Wolfsburg kind of would have been the death nail in Dortmund's coffin for the day because that's about as bad a start as you can have. 
<laughs> and uh, but they didn't drop their heads. They kept fighting. Um, it's a very interesting game because on a lot of the stats, it looked like it was it was a draw. You know, I mean, almost exact on all stats, but uh, Dortmund have Holland and Embre Jan, the ice cold uh, penalty shooter. So, um, no, I mean, Dortmund, you know, they they were clear ahead in possession by the end. They had way more passes. They had way more progressive passes and carries and goal creating actions and things like that. So all the stuff that you know, really helps you win games. Dortmund did just that little bit better uh, than Wolfsburg. Um, you know, you mentioned obviously that opening goal where uh, it it was, you know, everyone in defense was like, no, I'll take this guy. Oh, what about that guy who actually has the ball? Uh, kind of scenario where uh, Dahoud just picked the wrong runner in the end uh, and went inside instead of outside and that's where the ball actually was. So um, <clears throat> it was a, a bit of a farcical start. Wolfsburg played really, really well. Luca Bacchio uh, played really well and gave Dortmund a lot of headaches, as did uh, uh, Maximilian Arnold. But Dortmund seemed to kind of grow into the match overall, felt a little more comfortable after a while. And then, of course, when you could bring on the 11th best player in the world, apparently, <laughs> according to the Ballon d'Or, as a sub who almost scored with his very first touch and obviously then did score in his first match back, um, that's that's kind of an ace up the sleeve that no other team has. Yeah, yet another booster that Wout Weghorst does not appreciate. <laughs> But uh, Lars, what uh, are you making of, of this performance in general? And uh, maybe the, the first half in particular with uh, uh, you know Dortmund eventually winning that penalty, which I think was a Stonewall penalty. Um, by, by the way, do you think the uh, the foul or, or maybe foul on Dahoud beforehand, uh, like a couple of seconds before where he fell in the box... Uh, was something that should have warranted a, a penalty. I'm sort of unclear on that. I honestly have no idea what you're referring to. I think Dahoud was sort of falling over Brooks's legs in that chance where he got another rebound shot off. I don't know if you remember that. If not, don't worry. No, I don't remember. And obviously, I don't think it was a penalty because I otherwise presumably would remember, even though I watched the game from my sickbed and half of it seemed like a fever dream, um, <laughs> which also kind of applies to uh, the strength of Dortmund's reaction to dropping out of the Champions League in a way, um, considering it could easily have been, especially after going down after, what was it, 90 seconds or so, uh, could have been the start of a typical Dortmund autumnal depression, uh, which turned out not to be the case. I think Wolfsburg gave them an excellent run for their money, as Matthias alluded to, played a fairly strong, or gave a fairly strong home performance, but Dortmund were just much better on the day, and I think um, somewhat bizarrely, even before Wolfsburg scored, even though it's only 90 seconds, I think you could uh, see in the first few actions of the game that Dortmund were quite up for it. I think Rose found a good medium of, uh, you know, giving those a chance that messed up in Lisbon, but also uh, injecting some uh, new strength, uh, especially obviously Dahoud and Chan working really well as a midfield duo against Wolfsburg's midfield. So yeah, I mean, obviously going down 
after or in the second minute isn't ideal necessarily, but <laughs> maybe maybe it also gave them a bit of a kick in the behind to uh, you know stay sharp uh, because obviously a lot of times after Champions League matches you're actually better in the first few minutes because your uh, I guess intensity levels are still high or whatever, but you know you can get kind of bogged down in a slog of a game and. That didn't really happen here. I mean, obviously, you can argue that it was a bit lucky to get a penalty for the equalizer, which uh, John expertly put away. But I think you could also argue that Dortmund did enough for the game to warrant that kind of chance falling to them. And then from then on out, I think it was a fairly convincing performance in what I would argue was for you know a neutral perspective, or if, if that's even possible in football, if, if there are neutral fans. I think it was just a brilliant 90 minutes of football. I mean, end-to-end stuff from time to time, uh, high intensity from both teams. So if I hadn't watched it from a Dortmund perspective, but just, you know, let's watch a game of football, uh, I think I would have been thoroughly entertained. Yeah, I mean, the the, the game had a lot of momentum swings. Uh, that That's uh, probably right. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out also before before we all just gloss over it uh, to Marius Wolf, who also came back from injury, and I thought he had a uh, really good game, uh, not a lot of rust, and, uh, you know, did a, did a solid job without, you know, doing anything stellar. <laughs> Although I, I did appreciate the karate job one, <laughs> because... Uh, which I think was uh, Dortmund's only booking, but um, yeah, uh, there there were a couple of season highs, couple of stats uh, that I wrote down. Um, uh, one of them is shots on target against, which is seven, and obviously when you uh, concede seven shots on target and uh, only one goes in, that means also season high for Kobel, which is tied uh, with this game against Bielefeld, where is six saves. Um, one note on on Kobel is that I really appreciated, especially in the second half, is when. Uh, Wolfsburg did have, I think, at least three shots or three saves that he made is that he cleared it to the side where he neither considered a corner kick nor uh, was it somewhere in reach of a Wolfsburg player. I feel like this is yet another detail on top that that really helps Dortmund uh, out, you know, that uh, the clearance does not go wayward. I mean, one... Uh, save that he made uh, there. Uh, I, I think then then was Royce who had to clear it in in front of a defender. But uh, you know, just wanted to point this out. Uh, out uh, obviously, uh, opponents attempted crosses also a season high with thirteen. That sort of also speaks to uh, what Wolfsburg's game plan sort of was. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, on the ball though, Dortmund had a season high of switches of play, which I think is a very positive sign. And uh, obviously. Um, you know, uh, helps to have Dahoud back in, in that regard. And, uh, yeah, also fused false rounds and Wolfsburg had the fewest interceptions of any team uh, that played against Dortmund with 10. So Dortmund, uh, for what it's worth, over 90 minutes took good care of the ball. And, uh, yeah, th- these are just a couple of things, a couple of tidbits to think about, I guess. Um, yeah, a- another thing to think about... Um, Matthias, I don't know which episode it was, I think 396 or so, when the episode title was, Is Daniel Malen already a flop? <laughs> and that's exactly uh, where you can uh, spot in the timeline when Daniel Malen started scoring, and now he has scored uh, in, in three consecutive games, and so he did against Wolfsburg in the 53rd minute. Um, it was a really well-taken goal. Uh, Dortmund obviously do not score that many from outside of the penalty area. So, uh, what do you make of this particular strike and uh, 
the turnaround since we uh, <laughs> since we were maybe not so nice on on Marlin, uh yeah. Well, I think obviously it was a great goal. Um, wasn't expecting it, and so my enthusiasm was pretty high. I think the success chance of it was like four percent. I mean, it was like a low percentage shot that he made count. Uh, I think the he's obviously playing better. He's scoring goals. That's the main thing that that people want from him. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, a lot of the um criticisms of him are still very valid in my opinion um yeah he got the goal but it just i mean he had what three shots i think total which was team leading with Marco Royce. um but he you know didn't really his pressures was pretty low so he really it's just he's still i'm still just waiting to see um, to be perfectly honest, he, he still has a long way to go, but the nice thing is for a goal scorer, scoring goals is what gives you the confidence, uh, going forward. And, and obviously we saw that with Jaden Sancho last season where he had the long dry spell to begin with, and then he was unstoppable for the rest of the season. And ideally that happens with Donya Malin as well, because, when they don't score goals, when attacking players don't even provide much of any assists, and then you kind of get in your head, and a lot of people publicly, including your own coach, criticize your mentality and where your head is. Scoring the goals and helps then the you get piles on. Yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> of course, of course, of course, uh, Stefan. But um, overall, it's it's a great sign, obviously, you know, because we need. The, the team needs goals other than Holland. Now Holland is back. If both of them are firing, uh, then it could be a pretty good rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, if you if you talk about his confidence, I think uh, one sign is that he attempted this uh, ridiculous bicycle kick, and I don't think it was too far off. Um, that's that's a move I think you only do if you are not uh, you know not have any hesitation in your body, so to speak. So um, these are little things that encourage me, but uh, at the same time, I, I agree with you. His uh, his amount of pressures that you know he that he fails to put on opponents is still a little low. Um, Lars, there's another player I, I want to talk about uh, who is obviously often a subject on this podcast, and that's Julian Brandt because after let's say not playing all too well on the left side together with Schultz uh, for the first 20-25 minutes of the game. I think after that he improved gradually and really had a strong second half, especially when uh, the pressure was mounting from uh, Wolfsburg after the Malen goal. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, I think you could easily make the case that Brandt has been one of the more consistent performers in this Dortmund side over the last few weeks, which is not usually something you can say about him uh, because of his somewhat streaky nature. Um, I think he definitely benefits from having this run of games where basically everyone around him seems to miss a game here or there, or even more in, in terms of uh, someone like Gio Reyna, who probably would eat into his minutes. Uh, Brandt only had the COVID case early in the season and he's been basically available for selection everywhere, every other game and that uh, continuity 
helps him find stability in performances and um, over the last few weeks especially the last few games I would say that uh, he's also found a level which in turn helps Dortmund quite a bit because we all know how good he can be and I think he's maybe not even showing all his potential going forward I think he's definitely not as involved in you know shot creating and, and taking shots himself as he can be I mean uh when we look back at some of the stuff he did at Leverkusen or even in his first year at Dortmund under Favre, there's definitely some uh, area of improvement still there. But in turn, you can also say that he's been more aggressive off the ball or against the ball, as you, we would say in German. Uh, he's getting stuck in. Uh, he wins the ball back. He tracks back. He works harder, it seems. Yeah. So all in all, I think his... Uh, development over the last few weeks definitely encouraging and as I say I think the, the the most important thing is just the continuity and perhaps also knowing that you know one maybe disappointing or slightly disappointing spell in a game or a bad half of a game uh, doesn't immediately mean he's like uh, out of the team uh, which maybe would be the case if everyone was available because obviously then the Konkurrenzkampf uh, in Dortmund's midfield is just too big for someone uh, to, you know, slack off for even 45 minutes. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this uh, often now with Brandt that uh, he takes a while to warm up, but then uh, finishes strong, which uh, sort of speaks to his uh, stamina, I guess, uh, something that we worried about very often here. And uh, also for Brandt, I wrote down some season high sets. They are all obviously his personal season highs. Um, uh, and only in the Bundesliga, but he had the season high in touches with with 80s, touches in the defensive penalty area, which is three. So uh, there you go. I think that that's, uh, uh, yeah, in, in the clearances, also season high in touches in the attacking third with 41, uh, season high with ex expected assists, which is 0 0.4, uh, 0 0.5. Uh, goal creating actions, uh, which is two. So that's uh, very good. Passes attempted, carries, total distance carried, progressive passes received uh, completed passes into the box crosses completed crosses into the box completed live passes that resulted in a shot attempt number of dribbles tackled <laughs> a number or numbers of dribblers tackled it's important which is two and uh, numbers of dribblers tackled plus drib dribble pass uh, yeah uh, interesting set there from FBRF but uh, that is also season high with four which means he is nearer his opponents that me you know when he tackles two guys that try to dribble past him and two guys that actually make it past him usually is too far away uh, for to count as a dribble pass brand i guess and uh, he also led the team in pressures against wolfsburg and uh, he had the most blocks so there you go uh, was this julian brand's best performance in the dortmund sure no far off but i still thought it was encouraging and uh yeah that's that's about it i mean the the other thing I think we have to point out really um, about this game is that Dortmund between uh, the Marlon goal and pretty much the Haaland goal uh, suffered really and had to take a lot of pressure and I think uh, Wolfsburg have themselves to blame, especially Luka Bakio for not equalizing in, in, in that period because they really did uh, mount a lot of pressure and, and Dortmund, yeah, I, I think they, they were also lucky. Uh, let, let, let's put it this way. Um, I think uh, if a couple of details here and there go uh, the other way, then uh, this result can can look entirely different. But I feel like right now this is a bit of uh, 
what Dortmund have going for themselves is that they do get the results. And uh, yeah, it, it it was obviously an audible roar when uh, Haaland, I think around the 70th minute, uh, came to the bench to get ready for the substitution. And uh, yeah, in, in, in typical Haaland fashion, then uh, scored the goal where uh, <laughs> I already started to worry about the hip flexor, but uh, apparently he's fine, he's training well. All that, and uh, yeah, we had the uh, fantastic goal celebration where he pointed to <laughs> some random woman in the stands, or so it seemed with the camera pan, and she then just gave him the bird, basically. And uh, yeah, that was a, a very hilarious moment, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed that very much. So um, I, I think, and after after that goal, the spirits were pretty much broken, and Dortmund uh, could have added on. I think Mark Royce had a really good chance uh, to score, and uh, yeah, that's. Sort of that, Matthias. Any uh, final thoughts on that Wolfsburg match before we move on? Well, what's interesting about it, obviously, Dortmund dominated possession with almost 60%. But if you look at pressing statistics, uh, Wolfsburg were the significantly more aggressive team. at 181 pressures versus Dortmund 115. So they, they tried really, really hard. But if you then look at passing and, and how the passing uh, happened... Dortmund were confident and content to pass through the pressing, which, for the most part, they did very, very well. Whereas then you flip it around to when Wolfsburg were under pressure, they played high balls predominantly to try to get out of it. And obviously you launch balls up, there's less control, and then Dortmund, it's easier for them to regain possession. So I think the the advantage for Dortmund and the disadvantage for uh, Wolfsburg also started in just how they chose to build up through and around pressure. Yeah, that's um, right. Most high balls against 118 is a season high that I skipped earlier, but uh, I'm glad you pointed it out. Yeah, and it, it makes a huge difference because those are low percentage balls. And even if you're putting a lot of pressure and stuff like that, when that pressure breaks down and you have nothing to counteract it, and you don't have the ability then to build up constructively, well, then then you lose games like this, which, you know, when you start delving deeper into it, that's an issue that Florian Kofeld will need to address if he's able to. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Now, the, the good news is, apart from obviously Dortmund being one point behind uh, Bayern Munich, is that they're six point of third place. Leverkusen, they're eight points of fourth place Freiburg, and then Hoffenheim, Union Berlin and Wolfsburg are all 10 points away and then I think five more teams including Leipzig and Gladbach and Frankfurt, Cologne and so on, um, they are all 12 points away already. Obviously, uh, those leads can be lost <laughs> over the course of uh, an entire Rückrunde, but um, I think this is already a healthy cushion and... Uh, also in terms of just, you know, thinking about the Champions League qualification, which isn't unimportant, um, this this is a very big win for, for Dortmund. And uh, yeah, obviously it's nice to get yet another win against Wolfsburg. I don't know how many it was on the bonds, maybe 10 or so, 11, um, something absolutely crazy. So uh, yeah, Dortmund are Wolfsburg's uh, boogie team. And uh, I'm I'm glad about that. It's, it's, it's nice to be someone's boogie team, to be honest. So um. With that all being said, Lars, uh, I feel a lot of people are more tuning in to look forward than uh, backward. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll leave the stage 
completely to you to uh, <laughs> find your way into this match and uh, what your thoughts are going into it. Well, thank you, Stefan. <laughs> Can't contain my excitement, obviously. Um, I guess I will just say that for the last few years, the script for don't call it the Klassika uh, has pretty much been the same, meaning games at Dortmund, highly competitive, very good to watch. Again, from a neutral or outsider's perspective, definitely the showcase game for the Bundesliga uh, with, unfortunately, over the last few attempts, Bayern still coming out on top, even in Dortmund. And the games in Munich have been non-competitive uh, ball fests, basically, uh, in favor of Bayern. So I would once again assume uh, going into the game that you know, it's going to be at least entertaining from, again, a, an outsider's perspective. But even if uh, Bayern aren't at full strength, obviously with uh, Kimmich, for example, still being out due to coronavirus, and uh, I think Goretzka is now a doubt too. Um, I think whenever you face Bayern as Dortmund or one of the other pretenders to the throne, if you like, uh, they raised their game, so I wouldn't expect Bayern to rock up with their Augsburg mentality or their <laughs> cup at, at Gladbach mindset. So, you know, even all those think pieces that have been written already and will be written ahead of Saturday evening will say that this is one year where Bayern seem vulnerable and there for the taking. Uh, but, I mean, I think we all know that that's easier said than done uh, whenever Bayern face Dortmund, they seem to find another gear. Uh, perfectly exemplified, I guess, with Robert Lewandowski, who has like 21 goals in 14 matches against Dortmund, which is kind of rude. And now, obviously, the uh, agony of not winning the Ballon d'Or on Monday night will only uh, anger Lewandowski even more. So I'm expecting him to once again make the difference, unfortunately, for Bayern. So even though we are only starting with this segment, uh, I'm already predicting a Bayern win. All right, Matthias, how are you getting no, uh, the, the wind back into the sails here? <laughs> well, um, uh, uh, <laughs> so anyway, Stefan, what do you think? No, uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously this is, this is um, you know, we're going to go through all the marketing bullshit this week around uh, Der Klassiker as if this is comparable to Real Madrid Barcelona when you always kind of have to remind newcomers to the Bundesliga that pre uh like mid 1990s there was no rivalry between these two clubs not even not even remotely and then it kind of went dormant for a while and it came back since Jurgen Klopp came um because Bayern have rivalries with whoever challenges them during a given period over the last 60 years. So that's that's where this comes from. Um, as far as on the pitch, uh, I think, you know, Bayern were clearly the dominant side against Arminia Bielefeld, but it took uh, a long time for them to get through and they scored just one. Uh, that's all they needed because Arminia Bielefeld are, uh, let's just say, slightly impotent in front of goal this season. Speaking of low um, percentage balls, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> Badum. Uh, they have the worst attack in the Bundesliga, believe it or not, actually scoring two goals less 
then one point Greuther führt. The difference is Greuther führt have conceded 20 more. So there's your difference between a one-point team and a nine-point team. But um, Stefan Ortega was outstanding for, for Bielefeld against Bayern. Uh, one thing you notice, and, and I felt it uh, for Dortmund against Wolfsburg, how important Modahut is for Dortmund. You really saw it when he came back. And players like Goretzka. Yes, long time business. This is Matthias Zug speaking yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Hey, like I said, I never hated on him. I was just, I wasn't angry, Stefan. I was disappointed. <laughs> um, but Goretzka and Kimmich, very, very important for Bayern. But again, you have Lewandowski uh, and you have Manuel Neuer. And those are generational players. So I, I, I want, obviously, Dortmund to win. I'm pretty sure Lars wants Dortmund to win. But unfortunately, I... I end up probably have to be a little bit uh, less optimistic for this one just because I need to be proven wrong. I, <laughs> you know, we've been, we've been hurt so many times, Stefan. And um, I, I need to see them we beat Bayern. It's kind of like I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan. Till the Red Sox were able to beat the Yankees in the playoffs, I always believed the Yankees were going to win. And that's what this is. It's gotten to the point where unless Dortmund do it, I believe Bayern's going to win. And that's that's kind of the way I'm leaning for this one as well. But of course, if you have Guerrero back, uh, reportedly Gio Reyna's back, or he's back in training, supposedly Bellingham's going to at least be available on the bench. Holland will be available in some form. I mean, those are huge additions. If those players all would not be available for Dortmund, I think Bayern would, even without Kimmich and Goretzka, Bayern would win 3-4-0. I think that's that's just done. Uh, with those players in and Nico Schulz out, um, I think <laughs> Dortmund have significantly better chances of winning, but they need to prove it to me. And until then, I just believe Bayern are going to win. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Jude Bellingham because I'm still hopeful that he can play because he's obviously so instrumental for Dortmund and uh, he has a bruised knee. Um, the problem is when Dortmund say a player got a knock, sometimes he's out for, you know, one and a half training sessions. Sometimes he's out for one and a half years. So you just never quite know what to get. And with Jude Bellingham, I really hope it's it's the former that he at least can participate maybe in the final team training or something. And, uh, you know, I ideally even start this game. But um, if if he cannot, I think I would uh, retain the Chan Dahoud partnership. I'm not sure if I want to see Witzel on that field, to be honest. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, Akanji was, I think, absent from training yesterday, meaning Tuesday. And there isn't really an update there since. So that's uh, something to stick a pin in. And uh, yeah, the the other situation is obviously the, the Haaland situation because I'll just say my opinion right now is I don't want him to start because I I think uh, the last time Dortmund played well, I think there was in Munich uh, where they sort of competed with them until Haaland had to come off due to, uh, you know, load management and then you had Stefan Tickles there and uh, since then Dortmund's entire attack died and I I've, I would rather save him for the second half or I don't know bring him on in the in the 30th minute or so I don't I don't care but um I'd rather have his legs later on in the game than than sooner especially uh 
you know, if if he has a little bit of freshness, I I think he can make way more of a difference uh, against Bayern's defenders than uh, the other way around. That's that's just my opinion because I'm pretty certain that Haaland can't go for full ninety minutes. I I think it's it, it would be asinine to to uh, play him for that long, considering uh, what kind of injury he just had and uh, how direly Dortmund missed him. I mean, I think we failed to to mention it, but. Uh, he actually scored his 50th goal in his 50th Bundesliga appearance, and so obviously not all of them over 90 minutes. So uh, that's uh, an I don't know a record for the ages. I don't know when there will be it another is. striker for you know to 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 break that kind of record, especially at this young age. So um, yeah, that that's my opinion. Um, if if the chance with Bellingham uh, coming on at some point. If if that's the case, then yeah, I'm very happy about that too because I I think Dortmund needs his uh, energy on on the field. Um, now, the the one thing we haven't really mentioned yet, which is you know very tragic, obviously, and makes me yeah sort of uh, almost tired, is uh, obviously the ramifications of the ongoing pandemic. Is that uh, now the uh, attendance I think will be capped to one third. Uh, meaning 27,000 fans at the maximum uh, will be in attendance. Uh, and uh, I think Dortmund have sort of refunded every ticket for now. So that's uh, an organizational mess. Uh, and I obviously do not know how many fans can actually attend the game. And that's a huge bummer because uh, this game obviously deserves a full stadium. And uh, I also think that Dortmund play much better with the full stadium. It's obviously not a guarantee to win, but I think it, it, it's a massive boost and uh, that's sort of a, an advantage to Bayern, if you will, uh, who I think overcame most of their corona worries, if you will. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's obviously annoying. So, um, Lars, before I talk for Konstantin uh, Eckner, sort of minute monologues, uh, what are your ideas about the Dortmund lineup and how best to mitigate Bayern's strengths? Who's available? I mean, uh, it's tough for us on Wednesday evening to make assumptions what's going to happen in, what is it, four days, three days. Uh, I'm pretty certain Haaland is going to start if he's uh, up for selection from the first minute because... Uh, even if you think he can go 60, I mean, game state and adrenaline might stretch that into 70 and 70 can easily turn into 75. I mean, he definitely, or I didn't uh, expect him to play for what was it, 25 or so minutes at Wolfsburg, uh, especially after his inclusion in the matchday squad was already a surprise. And then Rose said he's going to get a couple of minutes. I actually thought that was kind of Dortmund playing some sort of mind game ahead of the Bayern game, making Bayern think about having to prepare for Haaland. But obviously he was just uh, fitter than they had let on before. So I don't see necessarily much of a reason not to play him for... I, I, I can see how you've six... been taken by surprise by that. By what? By by uh, Dortmund uh, having a player that's fitter than they let on. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah, I mean, uh, whenever someone's uh, breaking a foot and that's called Belastungsstabil, which means uh, in Socrates' terms, turning a three-week absence into, I think, half a year, uh, that, that makes you kind of a skeptic uh, of <laughs> Dortmund's medical team, as you alluded to earlier. But 
again, I think uh, if you can play a Holland for you know sixty to seventy minutes, that something you have to take in in what is undoubtedly now the biggest game of the year left. Uh, obviously, you don't take the risk of him you know being rushed back or anything, but I think we can certainly say that Holland isn't like anyone else in this squad and has worked tirelessly. Uh, to make it back for this game in particular because it's the the largest stage now uh, with Dortmund only playing one more meaningless Champions League game uh, this entire campaign so I think it's going to be hard for Rose to uh, tell Holland you know we we want to bring you on for the final 30 minutes or so I mean obviously he's the coach and it's his decision but I just can't really see it so I'm kind of expecting Holland to start and everything else comes down to uh, availability. I mean, uh, I think I read that Guerrero should be uh, available for selection from the start, which would be a positive, obviously, because they need his creativity. But also, I think uh, I don't necessarily look forward to him playing against uh, Sane or Coman or Nabri. I mean, who knows whom Bayern will even bring on from the start. I mean, those are all mismatches defensively for Dortmund, regardless of Guerrero or Schultz playing, obviously. But uh, I think Schultz, at least in theory, has the athleticism to deal with some of what they bring. Uh, whereas Guerrero, obviously, is the much more creative and positive option going forward. Bellingham is a question mark. Uh, don't necessarily expect him to start. I think Mukoko is out for the rest of the year, but... Uh, after the the Super Cup, where I, th I think it was the Super Cup anyway, where he started against Bayern and looked uh, out of his depth, um, didn't necessarily expect him to start either. So, the I guess the 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 big question to me is only Guerrero and everything else is kind of set in stone. Um, but this being Dortmund against Bayern. Uh, we, we have to take into account that sometimes coaches, even very good coaches of Dortmund's past, have kind of uh, outthought themselves going into <laughs> games against Bayern. I seem to recall Lukas Piszczek playing on the left side of the fence for no reason whatsoever in one of these games, for example. The, the term Fair Tuchel uh, so, was coined in one of those games. Yeah, but it wasn't only Tuchel. I think no, uh, it was Klopp Favre too. was Favre and Klopp also fell victim to this uh idea of having to do something special against Bayern I mean doing something special and doing something crazy with your lineup should be two different things but you know I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if uh you know someone was dropped that we don't expect for Witzel to provide additional cover in theory because he never really does but that's another point um so yeah I mean I guess we also have to mention that Torgan Azar should be uh available again after his COVID time. I mean, he, I think he, yeah, I mean, he, he was, uh, I think Rose said he could have taken him to Wolfsburg if need be, but they wanted to give him more time off. So I would assume ah, he's I been, that. uh, that's good to know. Thanks for bringing that up. I, I mean, I, maybe I'm talking out of my ass completely, which wouldn't be the first time, but I, I, I think that's the case. I think Azar should be uh, available for starting 11 selection, which, I mean, for whatever we can say about Marius Wolf's uh, positive development this season, I still think that most would argue uh, Azar is the more valuable option against Bayern. Yeah, no, def definitely. Having Hazard is, is a massive boost. Uh and especially 
you know, that, that means you can at least bring uh, Wolf on as a substitute later. Um, I, I think that that can be a, a, a very decent switch as well. Obviously, uh, not the biggest improvement that you're hoping for, but it's something at least, you know. Uh, otherwise, when your options are sort of Ranier or, uh, I don't know, Witzel or Paslak or, you know, Ansgar Knauf, uh, I, I still, for, for right now at least, think that uh, Wolf is the better option. So, um, yeah, uh, obviously I'm going to keep a very keen eye on the performance of Marco Reus because um, I think overall he's played very well this season and uh, it would not surprise me if he has another really great game against Bayern. So um, if something happens in Dortmund's favor, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sparked in, in some way or form by Marco Reus, especially his, his counter-pressing against Bayern and uh, maybe in, in, in heart of Bayern's midfield uh, without Kimmich and uh, I don't know if Goretzka is going to be out, but if he isn't, uh, I think Goretzka and Tolisso pairing up is maybe not the ideal pairing you want. Uh, Zabitzer is also out, so that substitution uh, isn't there either in case Goretzka is out, um, something to think of. So maybe there there is one weak spot you can potentially attack. I don't know. But uh, yeah, as you both guys have already mentioned, uh, Bayern are not really uh, that hampered uh, in terms of personnel. And uh, yeah, you you would expect that uh, Snash uh, Gnabry or uh, Leroy Zane, uh yeah, are daunting of the wings. And uh, Alfonso Davis often manages to break through as well with his pace. So um yeah, it's obviously always a scary lineup and uh, you can't expect Bayern to play in the same uh, struggle fashion that they did so against Augsburg or, or Bielefeld. So um, there's that. Or, or you know, I think the worst performance, if you will, was maybe against Gladbach where they were shellacked 5 nothing in the cup. Um, but yeah, I'm not really expecting that either. So Matthias, um, do you have any final thoughts before we go over to predictions? Um, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, what last said was right. I mean, doing something crazy with your lineup, doing something special, are two different things. To beat Often Bayern by the result. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to beat Bayern, you just need to do really well. I mean, eliminate the silly mistakes, eliminate the silly fouls around your penalty area. You don't have to give them free shots at your goal. Um, you know, keep those concentration levels up. And whichever players can do that at the most consistent level, those are the players that need to start. Because you look at someone like Aminia Bielefeld, where nobody, you know, I mean, that's a team you would look at and go, yeah, they're going to get absolutely thumped by Bayern. And yeah, they lost, but only 1-0. Stefan Ortega had a really good game. Everybody else around him played really well for their level compared to Bayern's level. If Dortmund come out and play to the maximum of their ability and focus and concentrate for the full 90 minutes, obviously Bayern are still going to get chances, then Dortmund can absolutely win this match. But I need to be proven this season that Dortmund can actually do that for 90 minutes, knowing that obviously injuries and all that kind of stuff have played their parts. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll take it. Last uh, left field question. But do you by any chance already know, and I don't even know if it's already set, uh, who the referee is going to be? Because I feel like uh, <laughs> there, there, there can be some Bayern bonus uh 
tin hattery <laughs> during the game, especially from my part. So, uh, yeah, if, you know, I, I, I really would hope or, or wish it, it'd be Ma Manuel Grefe, but obviously he has uh, retired, unfortunately. So, um, yeah. Let, let me put it this way, Stefan. Whom do you not want? <laughs> I don't know, right? So now tell I, me your no, number, I, number one choice who you don't want. Well, I don't know if Felix Zweier can even ref this game, right? Because isn't he from the Bavaria area and can... No, he's from Berlin. He's from oh, Berlin. So, yeah, so Felix Zweier is always my number one candidate of referees I don't want. Usually, yeah, and guess, guess, guess who? Uh, fuck, is it really Zweier? I mean, I think officially they don't say it uh, this early, but uh, I'm presuming Bild Zeitung um, reported already on Tuesday that it's going to be the man, the myth, the menace that is Felix Zweier. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the good thing is that both, <laughs> both, both. Uh, Sides of fans immediately went, well, that's the final nail in the coffin. Congrats to uh, either Dortmund or Bayern. So <laughs> uh, I guess that's the silver lining. But obviously, uh, I mean, a guy that took money for uh, making certain de decisions in the game, obviously way back when in his career uh, at the lower level, but still uh, someone like that shouldn't be a referee in general and definitely shouldn't be rewarded with these big games so i'm kind of hoping that despite this report coming out early it's not him yeah but uh i i don't know he seems to be getting a lot of big games and uh, it's very annoying i really don't like felix Zweier. i think he comes up with a lot of really weird calls and uh, yeah just not a good referee also, my uh, so-called shit list right now is Dennis Eitekin, who I normally rate, though. I, I just think the whole the hood thingy was a little over the top and a bit unnecessary. And maybe uh, those away games in Gladbach are the reasons why Bayern right now is still in the lead and, uh, you know, not Dortmund, because Bayern, when they drew 2-2 in, in Gladbach, they, you know, arguably could have uh, conceded a penalty or two and maybe the game would have swung the other way. And Dortmund obviously struggling in Gladbach. Uh, then we're down to 10 men as well. And uh, yeah, they lost the game 1-0, obviously. Also, not a really good performance from Dortmund in that particular match. But still, I'm uh, still salty about it, <laughs> as uh, you can probably tell. So um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out with a uh, prediction first then. And uh, despite all the naysayers... <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna pick Dortmund to win this three to two. Lars, you may do the honors and then uh, give your prediction result. Uh, Bayern four, Dortmund two, Lewandowski hat trick. Okay, Matthias. I I will see your Lewandowski hat trick. And um, I agree, probably Lewandowski hat-trick and Holland gets one goal and Bayern win 3-1. All right. The uh, Ballon d'Or runner-up versus the future Ballon d'Or winner, uh, <laughs> both on the score sheet. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I hope for once uh, it's an exciting game, but I also can't take a complete stinker if Dortmund get away with it. Um. Final question to both of you, yes or no, if someone puts a contract in front of you that you sign and uh, Dortmund will definitely draw, will you sign it? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So uh, with that being said, uh, as always, uh, thank you everyone for listening. 
you can follow Matthias on Twitter at MatthiasSook. You can follow Lars at Lars Polman, and you can follow me at Stefan Butzko. If you want to follow all of us, you can do that at YellowWarPod on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe to this wonderful podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. And if, if you want to contribute financially, you can also do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, that should be all for this week. And obviously we will be back with the review of the Bayern game. Uh, depending on <laughs> the results, it might be a bit sooner or a bit later. We will see. But, uh, you know, uh, at, at least we have something to discuss. Uh, so, yeah. Once again, thank you everyone out there for uh, listening and... Until next time.